Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Backstage with a gone embrace. Tales from the stands to the batter's cage. The kind of stories that'll keep you engaged. Backstage with a gone embrace. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne, joined by John Brazier. And, John, we got an old friend here uh, from 97.5, the Fanatic and NBC Sports Philadelphia, and your old co-host on the radio, Rick. Gabe I'm shocked. Uh, you know, it's funny. Yeah. I think we did this with Tommy Green, too. Tommy Green, same I thing. forgot that we haven't had him. We're going through, like, who should we get? Who should we get? And Ricky Metallica is <laughs> on TV every day. He's on the radio every day. He's a great buddy of both of ours. I used to co-host a radio show with him, and we, we totally spaced on Ricky Bow until... It's only taken four years. Right? Yeah, let me just so say thanks a lot, years. guys. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're very forgettable. I, I, <laughs> actually, that would be a good thing in my job. <laughs> we wanted to make sure you had enough stories for us to come on. <sighs> That's right. You got a boatload. <laughs> stories galore. Ricky just said my job. So I, I am fascinated. Thanks for coming down here. It's 930 on, what is it, Wednesday morning. Uh, you know, you, you, you just seem to be the guy who's all over the place. I, I am kind of fascinated with how you work the, the radio thing with the TV thing. Well, so how's that Let me start by you? this. NBC's done a nice job with that. Obviously, yeah, yeah. we're on TV with that from 2 to 6. We're simulcast on it. So when I have pre- and post-game shows to do, if they are running into each other, for instance, today is a day game, I'm only doing an hour and a half of radio. So they talk. Okay. It's, it really has nothing to do with me. It's a lot of emails back and forth from uh, Beasley Media over to NBC. And, you know, they give priority, obviously, to my pre- and post-game shows, and they give me that kind of luxury, I guess. But they also put a studio over at NBC. So you'll see me on the show, yeah. you know, wearing a T-shirt or a hoodie, and then two hours later you'll see me in, in my in my dress shirt ready to go on, on the set with makeup yeah, on. So, so they've so done Rick, a nice job there. You're doing uh, the radio show, but you're in a studio a lot of the times in, at uh, NBC. It's Sports actually Philly, just right? a glass office. Okay. So yes. I mean, it it is one of the things. Yeah, we I got a little different background, but it still works. Yeah, okay. I mean, so they they've done a nice job. Of, now, of what being do you like do doing better, radio or TV? What is what is more uh, fulfilling for you? Uh, I don't know if there is a fulfillment. It's just one of those things where I, I, I you know me, I've always liked all different sports. So it's. It, it, especially after baseball season's over, it's a different world for me. And I kind of like the new challenges. I, here, Here's the thing. I, I've been up front, and I watch more pro, uh, excuse me, college basketball than I do pro basketball. 
So I guess that would be, if, if there is a weak point, it would be the Sixers for me. Uh, I love hockey, as you know, John, so yeah. that's an easy one for me, but our team stinks. So it makes it a little difficult to even get into them a lot. Um, Used but, to be a big Hartford Whalers. But uh, football, fan. are you kidding me? That's that's just easy. Yeah, I mean, right, to yeah. me, that's easy. That's taking three hours of your day on a Sunday afternoon and watching football. Who doesn't watch <laughs> yeah, it anyways? Right. Yeah, but yeah. When, when it does get difficult is when the Phillies are playing at one and the Eagles are on at one, and I'm you know one eye on each TV making sure – uh, you know, I have everything down for that Monday. You know Monday enough, mornings are tough in September. You know enough about pro basketball to be dangerous, right? If you're having oh, yeah. a, a guest on, you're not going to say I know, I know. The Sixers. I, right. I mean, it, it's not that hard to do research either. Right. It's not that hard to look into statistics. I mean, to me, it, it, it's all about so, – to me, I'm not about a lot of numbers. But in basketball, you kind of have to be because those numbers do tell a story in basketball. In baseball, sometimes they don't. I mean, you look at a pitcher, especially a relief pitcher, That's and I'll get into this in a minute. Relief pitchers, I don't even look at ERAs anymore. What I try to do is take, okay, their last 10 outings. How many of them were quality outings? If you're five or below, you're not doing your job. If you're six and above, I think you're starting to do your job. Obviously, you're, if you're at eight and, or ten, eight, eight out of eight to ten out of ten, you're really doing your job and you're a really good reliever. So I try to just I, I think that the stat of ERA should be taken completely off of relievers' uh, uh, stats mm-hmm. now. How do you balance, uh, you know, on TV purposes, post game, uh, pregame, post game? How do you balance being critical, right, of the team, but then knowing that you are a player yourself and knowing that you know the frustration and, the, and yeah. how hard this game is. You know what I mean? Bouncing both sides where you're not trying to please the fans. You know, you're, it's bouncing the fans, the organization, the players, the respect. You know in, what I mean? In it's, all it's, honesty, I'm not trying to please anybody. Right. I know that sounds a little weird, uh, but I just kind of – the good thing about being pre and post is that I'm game to game. You could be my hero yesterday, but not today. Right. So, it, you know what? If it, it, In the way I look at it, if the players could look in the mirror, I was a guy that could look in the mirror. After a ball game, and you knew John, you knew me, you knew me, Tom, that I would literally wait for the press to come in. I would air myself out, and they would have nothing to ask me. And it, these players nowadays are a little different in that sense. Right. They don't want to talk to the press. They don't want to do a lot of stuff. But it is what it is. If you could look yourself in the mirror, you know I'm just telling what happened on the field. I'm trying to paint a picture right. with yeah. a little feeling and emotion into it. And what better place than Philadelphia to be that kind of guy, yeah. right, Ricky? I mean, well, that's what the listeners you, want. The yeah, you can't want. fake it. Yeah, you I'm not surviving if I'm doing this job in Kansas City. No doubt. Uh, <laughs> in in terms of uh, how about do you like the interaction with callers on the radio? Uh, sometimes. I mean, sometimes they get kind of personal at you, but I mean, you know what? That's just part of this whole area. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think if you start to understand, which you guys do, you guys understand the fan base and you understand what callers are calling in and you understand that you're going to get ripped upon. And if you could take it, you got to have some thick skin. Yeah. I mean, because obviously every caller is not going to agree with you. Have right. you ever had a time? Do you remember any stories or any time where a caller came called in and you just absolutely thought he was an idiot? And well, you some let, guy and kept yelling at me for hitting bonds on purpose. And okay. I was trying to explain him, but he wouldn't let me get a word in edgewise right. that I was told to do it. Right. And because because people think you well, just we're going to get into that at some point. So. All, right, all right, people just think you run in from the bullpen and do it. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. not like that. I mean, there's sometimes calls involved. So I mean, and sometimes you you feel like you have a, I guess a a relationship with your teammates that you have to do it. I mean, I would do some stuff on purpose that I, you know, if something chippy was going on in the game, I would do it myself. But 
you wouldn't know it. You you never would have known it. I would just drill somebody, and nobody would know. Right, right. Because I could get away with that. Now, Tom, <laughs> when we did a radio show together, Ricky and I did a radio show together for, man, I want to say it was like 15 years, right? It was uh, a long time. A long yeah. time on WBCB. Meryl Reese is the it's GM. 15 years? We used to actually hours, give yeah. away questions on there. Well, we until, never, well, until we never, that ended abruptly. <laughs> we never really had guests. It would just be Ricky and I talking for an hour. And so Ricky would yell at me. So it wouldn't be at the listeners. <laughs> be yelling right, at right, me, right? right? Um, but, it's a good thing you but, didn't bring on guests on But that we show. did bring it on a guest one time. Now, we also we callers, do, we do it down the shore during the summertime, right? We mm. did it uh, We did it uh, from the beach of the Golden, Golden Inn. Golden Inn. Right? Yeah. That, that was, a, that was we, Remember that well. Yep. Then we did Keenan's as well. We did decide to put one guy on. Now, again, you should, if you're, if you're, if you're screening somebody on the phone, it's tough to see what, what, what they're doing. This guy was, you know, live and he clearly had a drink on it, but he seemed okay. And he gets on there. Do you remember it? He looked, he sounded fine. Everything was going great. And then he mentioned Bobby and put an adject, ad, adjective, oh, Abreu. No. Abreu. And ah. next thing you know, it like, and I don't think back then it was a smaller station. They didn't have the, we didn't the have a, seven a second delay. delay. No. So delay. next thing you know, we're like, all right, that's the end of our guests going forward. And I think we were asking him like a trivia question. Right. We and were the asking answer, a trivia question. The answer, the answer was question. Bobby Abreu. Though. <laughs> Bobby bleeping oh, Abreu. Yeah. Abreu. And he throws it in there. And we're like, oh, my gosh. So, yes. Uh, a, lot of, a, lot oh, of, man. a lot of fun with Ricky Bo throughout the years. There were some interesting <laughs> venues. Ah. Yeah, we would actually do it from the beach when, when it was the Golden Inn. Like we'd, feet we'd, in the sand. Feet in the sand and, and like f- 10 feet from guy, people coming off the beach. Yeah. Right? And then 10 <laughs> feet from a tiki bar. And there's bar. the bar. I was going to say, <laughs> the tiki <laughs> bar is right there and the pool's right there. Right. So, so, I'd, so I'd be you know making this big point, right, you know, getting into this deep philosophical issue about the <laughs> team. And, and, and I said, what do you think, Ricky? He was like, huh? Oh, because he's staring, yeah. he's staring at what's coming yeah, on. I would get too. caught staring, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, what a life! What yeah, a life! I had, I had, uh, I had just gotten divorced, so I was looking. There was no doubt. Well, let's talk of going to go yeah, through yeah. his life, because yeah, yeah. Ricky, I think you've got an absolutely fantastic. A lot of right, people John, might, because I mean, you've co-host for fifteen years, but we've, ne- we've never really delved into the no, background and, and the the history of Ricky Bo. And I want to. So let's let's get into that. So all the people you see him all the time, you hear him all the time. You grew up in the Hartford area, yep. right? Yep. And uh, you basically went, you played, obviously, baseball, but what other sports did you play growing up? Oh, everything. Uh, I mean, a- anything that you could get your hands on, I, I think we played. Uh, obviously, like, hockey wasn't as organized when I was little, and it was tough. It was like four in the morning if right. you were playing hockey. Well, I, I did that later. But I did a lot of skating. A lot, uh, I pl- tried playing hockey at one time. I just, the, the timing wasn't good. Uh, so I kind of stuck to basketball, football, and baseball. And okay. even through through my junior year of high school, I was still playing basketball and baseball. So, But okay. it's interesting. You were more of a catcher, right? I was a catcher. Oh, okay. We're going to this. Well, uh, let's go, let's go. Here, here, I'll no, start from Little well, League. Well, talk about your high, school, <laughs> no. your high school career. When I always ask this question, when did you think, and I guess you were a little different, but when did you think you actually had a chance to make a living uh, playing a sport? Uh I was 16, and I went to a Major League Baseball scouting bureau okay. as a catcher. Now, mind you, I was 5'7", 150 pounds, soaking, soaking wet. So I, I got there, and it was at uh, Beehive Field, if you remember Beehive. That's where the Red Sox used to have their double-A team. So middle of the summer, hot as can be. You know, you're waiting your chance to get behind the plate and do, like, pop times second base. I get up there, boom, perfect throw to second base. Hold on. And the, the scouts are like, hold on. I'm like, hold on for what? I mean, I don't know what I just did. I broke the scouting bureau record from home to second. Wow. wow. How about that? So what do you think they do? 
Convert you to pitcher. No, we have to do this again. So I'm like, really? So now all the scouts are around. And now, mind you, there's there's like a bunch of players that I've played against that knew I had like a monster arm. Yeah, yeah. Do it again. I broke it again. Hmm. Literally two two throws in a row. I broke the record down from uh, home to second base. Actually, Dick Lawler, he, he was actually there uh, that day. So what they do is they put you in a game. I go three for four in the game, throw out two base runners. Yeah. I, everything's have a Chicago White Sox scout come yeah, up and, there and go, is. we're not kidding. We would sign you right now, 16 years old. I wasn't even supposed to be there. Mm. You had to be either a senior in high school or 18 years old. Mm. So that ended that situation. And I ended up having a really good junior year, um, all-state catcher, junior year. I got an interesting picture that I got to show you guys. Um, there were 12 players that made the all-state team. Myself's in it, Rico Bronia, Brad Osmus, and I believe Jeff Bagwell are all oh, in the wow. picture. Wow, how about that? And, and it's, it's pretty interesting because, you know, back then Connecticut wasn't exactly a hotbed yeah. for Major League Baseball players, but it ended yeah, it up Bagwell turning Bagwell from up. that area? I played against Jeff Bagwell oh. since I was like I, yeah, 14. I did, not, I did not know I know that. Rico was. But. I actually homered off of Jeff. Hmm, yeah, and I, he was a pitcher shortstop, believe it or not. Ah. And did you know Rico pretty well back then? I did not. Rico was from like the the western part of Connecticut, so we didn't play them a lot. I was more central Connecticut to the to the uh, the Long Island Sound area. So yeah, we Rico would play went to a uh, boarding school. Yeah, right? he, he, I forgot where he went. Yeah, he he went, was at Watertown High School. Yeah, and then for he went to like while. Taft or somewhere. Yes, Taft. I was think it Taft? He was. Okay. Uh, and so we didn't play them. I mean, we never played them. But Jeff Bagwell was actually in my conference in high school. I went to South Catholic. He went to Xavier. So. We played each other at least twice a year there, plus in summer ball and stuff like that. Yeah, and then you went to a small college and transferred. I went to I went to uh, Lakeland, Florida. I went to Florida Southern Co- uh, College. I okay. was recruited to go there, and you know what? I would have stayed. I love the baseball life, but it was I- I'm not kidding you down there. It was every day. Right. There was no like hmm. studying. They didn't care about studying. Nah. I mean, I was getting B's in my classes without going to class. So I probably should have just stayed. <laughs> yeah. Would have had a better, better GPA in the end. But um, I, I look at it this way. It, it was one of those situations where I learned a lot in a year that I was there. Uh, but that's where I also learned that having two positions was better than one. So when did you make that switch from catcher to pitcher? Um, was it there? I was, I was doing a lot of bullpen stuff there. Okay. Be, and it started in an odd way. It was like we were we – were, uh, like I redshirted, so we had like redshirt games. It was which you were not supposed to do, I don't think, at the time. But we would go in there, and you know, I would just we would throw like BP. You're doing to each a lot other. of things that you're not supposed to do, Ricky. But yeah, I've already fights two already. Well, I'm I sure mean, we, be we more. Uh, well, I started by throwing BP, and one of the coaches was like, "You gotta, yeah. you, you gotta pitch." Right, right. And I was like, "Ah, not yet, not yet." And it just turned out I ended up going to Central Connecticut the next year, and I was catching a midday game, midweek game. Now, midweek games, we didn't send our whole squad. We'd send, like, two pitchers. It was seven innings. So you think, we'll get through this with two pitchers, no yeah, problem, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it was Fairfield University, and uh, one of my best friends on the team, Todd Martin, got hurt his elbow during the game, and I was catching. I was like, I hell with this. I'll, we don't have a lot of pitchers. I'll pitch. We have three catchers with us. And you had never pitched in a game before? Not in college. Right. Not in college, so I went in. I struck out twelve in a row. Wow! With the bases loaded to start with, so all I, heat, up, I mean, did you have a little nah, bit of a I hook? A, or? I had a curveball. Okay, all right. I had a curveball, but it was funny because I end up get. It, lo and behold, I end up starting pitching more. I end up starting one game. Northeastern was number twelve in the country at that point, and I went in and 
I threw a one hitter against them. Mm. And so the Phillies at that point, well, at this point now, scouts are starting to notice that I got a pretty good arm. Right. So my my manager in college says I'm not signing. He said he's he's definitely coming back for his last year. So I I was like, hell with that. I don't want to go back. I want to play professional. But that was a whole goal of mine. Right. So uh, I go to the Greater Hartford Twilight League for summer ball. Right. I have an appointment to go to the Cape Cod League. So I'm going to the Cape Cod League to pitch, uh, it, which ironically would have been the same day that I ended up starting my minor league career. Um, but anyways, I get a call from the Oakland A's. They want me to go up to Holy Cross College and throw for them. Um, there's a good chance I get signed. So I was like, okay, and this was on a Thursday. I pitch on Saturday beforehand. Phillies call, Dick Lawler calls and says, can you pitch in two days? Ended up pitching in two days. I got signed out of a car, and then next thing I know, less than a week later, I'm the number two prospect on the Phillies pitching. Wow! And so is Dick Lawler. That's why because right. when I was reading, yeah, I Dick didn't Lawler. know that about your uh, you know that you were kind of undrafted and you were in well, this. Well, Dick Lawler was actually from South Windsor, Connecticut, which okay. is where I was playing yeah. in the Greater Hartford Twilight League. And it's funny because when you read about your life, every, they make it seem like you were a catcher in a beer league, and you got, it was, and you got signed up, but you were pitching. Right? Well, I was catching. I was catching three out of the four games a week. Okay, so it so was kind of like, true. yeah. I mean, but my my ERA makes was a better just, story though. My ERA was just a joke. Yeah, I mean, I was just throwing fastballs and then like change ups. I call this splange. It's kind of a half change up, half split, uh-huh. and I was striking everybody out. And I think I gave up two runs the whole year, yeah. and uh, no home runs. I've given up two runs. I was like fifteen and zero with like a point like four. Yeah. Something ridiculous. Right, can I interrupt real quick? No. You just said splunge. Right? Splange. 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 All right. So w- tell me, and we'll get back to this. Yeah, story. You're going to the sweeper. We're going to do a timeout. There's no well, such yes. Thing. All of a sudden, there's sweeper. There was a team, and, and I don't even know if I can say this word on a podcast, but uh, between a slider and a cutter, a team put that up yes. there on the board. <laughs> a slider. A slider. Yeah, you I'll said say it. <laughs> right? Someone That's, put up there. So It was up on the scoreboard. Yeah, I saw was. that. Yeah. Right. So what, what? Now these aren't new pitches. It's just, they're not new pitches. It's just their way of trying to make the game more adaptable to people now. Okay. And I, I guess maybe even a little comedy in it. Because right. a sweeper's been a curveball for a long time. A, a sweeper to me is a slurve, right. which is in between a yeah. curveball and a, a yeah. slider. I don't know why they changed that to sweeper. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I could see a sweeper being called from a side armor like Toby Borland used right. to do. Okay. That, across, to me, yeah. would be a sweeper. Right. Yeah. I don't know. More horizontal. I don't know who made – they're all made up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, the, the one pitch that's probably not made up is the fastball. Right. Everything else is made up. Going back to your story, uh, Dick Lawler, it, it's fascinating to me, especially when a guy is kind of off the radar a little bit and then a, and a scout fi- finds you or discovers yeah. you. Like, did you have a special relationship with him after you signed? Like, did you keep – I did. did. I kept in touch with him, touch especially with him? through the minor league system. Okay. And, and like, kind of when I got to the majors, he's like, well, now you're on your own type thing. <laughs> I mean, and that's how that's how it, it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he I wasn't his only guy he signed, so I, it was yeah, – sure, It was um, – I'm sure they get bonuses and stuff like that, when, especially when – when a player like that gets to the major yeah. leagues. But it, it was one of those things where I knew him beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even know he was a scout for the mm-hmm. Phillies when he would come around. I thought he was just some guy that liked baseball, baseball and come watch baseball. And did they always see you as a, a relief pitcher, Ricky? Um, yeah, I was a little annoyed 
because as a starter, my, my, like my first year in Martinsville was basically all about getting innings. So yeah. go and throw as many innings as you possibly can. And it was only a month. I mean, I only had yeah. a month to throw. They sent me to, you know, uh, instructional league in Florida. Martinsville is classic. Martinsville is best. <laughs> it was like a high school I, field. It kind of sucks that there's no team there anymore. Yeah. It was a high school field. It was. It yeah. definitely was. I could tell you right now, the Riggs family lived in left over left field and they used to have pig roast for the team <laughs> pig roast, there you go i mean that's how and it did was you live with somebody on the team i did joel mcintyre was okay. his name and they had a, we they, had a house to ourselves they the hardly was never had there. uh they hardly had any uh stands for fans to sit in like you brought your own beach chair and in the game, yeah you know? and the <laughs> section they did have was all concrete yeah. there were no seats yeah. yeah 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 it was it was locker room sucked like yeah. that league the appalachian league those locker rooms were horrible. all right so where did you go from there uh, Appalachian League, I got sent to uh, Spartanburg at the end of that yeah. season. I had two starts in Spartanburg, and I had two no-hitters going into, like, the sixth inning in both of those games. I only ended up giving up, like, four hits in those two games. Was Mel so. Roberts still the manager down Mel there? Mel Roberts was the manager. Yeah. I went from, uh, let's see, Roley DeArmas was in Martinsville. Then I got to uh, there. It was Mel Roberts. Then, oh, man, what was his name? French. French name. Um uh, hmm. This stinks. I forgot his name. Sorry, right. Roy Matika. Okay, where was he? French. Roy Matika. Where was he? He was in. Uh... He was in this. Uh, when I went back the next year, I started in Spartanburg. Okay, so then you started in Spartanburg the next year, and then went to Clearwater. Right, and then from Clearwater, I actually got sent up to play in the uh, Scranton Phillies game, and oh. I played for the Phillies. So I knew something was happening. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I got up there. I threw in that game. I was throwing like. 95, 96 miles an hour, and they're like, you're going to double A. So basically I went from that yeah. Scranton game down to double A, and then everything kind of – once I got to double A, they put me right in the closers role, and it was like – So when you got the call off. up in 94 – I got the what? call up in 93, and I was pissed. You got the call up in 93? August 28th, 1993. I still have the plane ticket. Hmm. Did I you get in? To, uh, they, yeah. made, they made a trade. Wow. I was supposed to come in and be put on the roster right, on the last day of August so I could be on the right. on the uh, postseason roster. They brought in Don Paul. Don right. Paul, huh. that's right. Yep. So then your debut in 94, now that's interesting because that was my first year with the Phillies. Yep. Yep. That was Tom's first year as being the best friend of the Fanatics. See, yep. I almost my beat you both friend. here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he's been here for a while. Almost beat you both here. Right. I've been around five years before that, but I that was ninety four was the first time I was the main best friend, like the best bestest friend. Well, he friend. picks and chooses, doesn't he? <laughs> no, he does. <laughs> what do you remember that uh, debut, Ricky? July, um, what, July twenty ninth, twenty I remember getting in the locker. I had to come straight from the airport. Obviously, you're flying into Atlanta. You go straight from the airport to the ballpark, and I guess. The one thing that I remember is, you know, the at Fulton County Stadium, the bullpen was on the left field line. Hot as can be, I remember. Humid night. It was a baseball night. Like, like if, if you were to pick a night to start your career, it would have been that. Sold out. Um, hazy. I, I could remember the crowd noise was above me. It was weird. Like, I knew they were doing – they were chopping me when I first came into the game with that whole this stance. Yeah, I was like, why don't I hear it that much? And and I remember people telling me, when you get there, look around before you throw a pitch. I'm looking around. I'm like, this is odd. This is like there's a bunch of cardboard cutouts. And wouldn't you know it, in 2020, we right. have cardboard yes, cutouts. But uh, that's what it felt like. And it felt like the noise was always above me. And that's one thing that a lot of guys, if you ask a lot of guys when they first step on the mound, they hear all those noises. 
I didn't hear it. It sounded like it was kind of kind of there, like a murmur behind me. Oh, you were locked in. And then Do you remember who you faced? David Justice. I struck him out, but they didn't call it a strikeout twice. <sighs> he even told me the next day. And then Fergosi was your manager. Fergosi was my manager. Right. I mean, yeah. what, was, what was your relationship with Jim? Uh, he was like a, a a father figure on the field for right. me. I mean, because he knew I was coming into a bunch of animals, and he, you know, he wanted to make sure that I was always. Uh, positive or however you want to look at me but he liked that i had that fire i mean if i give right. up a run i was pissed yeah, you were perfect for that team bunch of animals John. yeah i love it <laughs> you're perfect so, for that team so the one thing that i liked about for gross for Gossi that probably wasn't great for my career was that when i would go into these games uh, if i gave up a run or if he, if i if if anybody didn't like the way i threw the night before i was in the next day automatically no matter what the score was mm. And it was good for my conscience, and it was good for my psyche, but I don't know how good it was for my shoulder. Right. You know what I mean? In well, the long had, run. And you had Johnny Padres coming out there and going, Ricky Bo, doing a good job. And You're you great, just, Ricky. Johnny, Johnny just had nothing to say. Basically, just throw the daylights out of the ball. Right. That's what he wanted. Right. Right. Well, he wanted, you to, he wanted you to be that guy. He wanted you to go full bore every time you can. You're a reliever. That's what they expected of you. So I I did I mean I gave every that that's the one thing I think that's why I'm somewhat appreciated around here because I gave everything I had yeah I mean I was a nobody who got an opportunity and I and I think the one thing that I always carried into Major League Baseball beyond Major you guys have known me forever mm-hmm. I'm just a regular guy yep and my mother used to say you were just given a talent don't don't let anybody tell you any different don't act like you're better that's why I get annoyed at certain players. Like, even when I played, I got annoyed at certain players. Right. I don't like when somebody thinks they're better than a, yep. a, an everyday person who, who works at the stadium, an everyday person who works at a restaurant. Why am I any better? Yep. Because I was given a God-given talent and my arm was good. All right, 1996, right? A very special year because we have the All-Star mm-hmm. game here uh, at the Vet. Um, you're the representative for the Phils, yep. right? How cool is that to be the representative in the town where the All-Star Games held? I was scared to death. Were you? <laughs> I was. I mean, in a sense that I knew that I could do my job out on the mound. But, like, me being the only one, that means there's only one guy who could disappoint. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So, I mean, that, I think, weighed on my mind more than anything else. And then uh, my first batter was Pudge Rodriguez. When I struck him out, I said, all right, we're good. Yeah, and we're and good. look who we nice. faced. You got Pudge. Pudge. Right? Uh, Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken's next. Steroid Brady. And Jay Buhner. That's not a bad line. Brady Anderson, if you don't remember. And you, I forget. What did, did you take care of them all? Or, uh, uh, no, there was an error on Caminiti, and it was kind of – it wasn't funny. Brady Anderson hit a little slap to third. And on that turf, it's a routine play. Right. It's yeah, like yeah. a two-hopper to him. Boom, clanked it. And Ken Caminiti was a multi-year – You should club. have heard his mouth when right, he was right? picking that ball. <laughs> Had to be this inning. Had to be this inning. Uh, and he goes, as if they don't hate me enough here. And he flips me a ball. Uh, and, like, oh, and there was a little danger during the team photo, if I remember. The team Cal photo- Ripken. Yeah, tell, tell broke that. his nose. Oh, I remember that. That's right. Hernandez, right? I totally remember yeah, that. Like felt was, I think was falling back and like fell smacked back, him in the smacked head. him right in the nose. I remember. So that. I'm facing wow. Ripken now. I'm thinking, just don't hit this guy. Don't hit it, him which in the is nose. which is kind of like a bad thought process to have right. on the mound right. because if you're if you think about it, your mind works, you guys golf. Yeah, of course. You, you think about 
the water, yeah, it's right. going in the water. <laughs> so I'm like, just don't hit him. And the first one actually kind of rode in towards his hands. I'm like, all right. I and then you're breaking the streak. Jeez. You know, so, Imagine uh, that. Imagine breaking his by, hand. By the way, speaking of golf, I, I've golfed many times with Ricky. Uh, two things. One the is, house. One, well, hold on. Yeah. Well, one is we're on a course uh, somewhere in South Jersey. It's, it's down the shore. Uh, I forget which course. And I think it was Avalon. Ricky bombs it. I mean, he's lefty. Bombs it, right? Well, he bombs it, and, it's, and it goes way into over the, the out of bounds, right? Way over the trees. So like, we're not. We're not I'm big. trying to cut the right. We you could go over the trees, so I figured I'm going to go over the trees. Right. Well, it went over the trees, and I thought just into yeah. the woods. Like, Oops. Two holes later, some guy comes out running out, running out. Whose ball is this? He knew <laughs> Ricky had hit it. Well, he, he's yelling at Ricky. Then all of a sudden, he goes, "Wait a minute." It's Ricky Batalco. <laughs> yeah. It's like he didn't care. Yeah, yeah. I put a ball through his screen, and he was pissed. And all of a sudden, he finds out hey, it's me. He's like, oh, oh, can you sign oh, my ball? Yeah. He may have asked me to sign that I think ball. he did. Uh, the other one is we were playing in a tournament. Uh, Milt Thompson was on the other hole coming back. And uh, Ricky was oh. teeing off. And Milt was in the woods, and he had to make a phone call. So I guess he was trying to – But so he's, he's in the woods to the, to the right. <laughs> we're probably about 150 yards down there. Just, again, minding his own business, behind a tree, making a phone call. Ricky Bo sends a, a drive that's a screaming line drive <laughs> – it's going right, for, right, far. right for Milt. Oh, no. Milt's like just thank God sees like the ball last second, and <laughs> the phone goes flying. He's like, whoa! whoa Can you whoa. imagine that, <laughs> Milt? And he, the worst part is, you know, Milt's one of the nicest guys you've ever. Right. He comes out with a big smile on out. his face. Yeah, right, right, I'm Milt. like, you got to be kidding me, yeah. Milt. <laughs> I, uh, have you ever hit anybody on a golf course? I actually have. I have. Yes, unfortunately, I have. About sure 280 have. yards away, though, I hit oh. a lady right in the foot. Oh. She was standing, she was literally like standing next to a tree and, and, the, and the fairway went to the right. And I hit it right on the line. Yeah. And she walks out as the ball's in air. Uh, was she, did it uh, bang her up pretty good? Yeah, she went down. <laughs> Sack of potatoes. Now, the other one is, is one of my favorite stories of Ricky is that at the vet, uh, the clubhouse is on, you know, the service oh, level. There we go. And our offices are on this, you know, across the hallway. Yes. Right? <clears throat> if you remember where we were. So, Ricky at like let's say it's a seven o'clock game. Ricky at six o'clock would be in his uniform, and he's got a lot of pent up energy, yeah. right? So Ricky would, uh, I guess, come through the would, would come, come to our office, office sure. and, and talk full, to everybody in full uniform. Talk Flirt to everybody. With Kelly Jurgen. Yep, <laughs> you know. or Lisa Mammonis at the time, and, and Lisa. other people. Oh yeah. And I remember um, I kept I played ice hockey in the mornings on as part of the seven fifteeners club at the Spectrum. So I can't believe I did this, but I used to bring my hockey bag and sticks. It's and, and yeah, and, and I, I, I somehow kept it in in my cubicle. Right? Oh. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, that's Remember awful. those cubicles? They were gross. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I left it. I'm going to say I left it over there, but I brought my sticks. No, I didn't do that. So anyway, Ricky would come over. Would be you know again just have a lot of energy and and people are working. This is you know an hour <laughs> before the game, and Ricky would say, Brazier, grab a stick and uh, and get down there, and I'd have a Milek ball, like the yeah, orange yeah. ball. I'd say, get down there, and play goalie. So Ricky would down there again. Chrissy Long is over here. Kurt Funk, Dave Buck, we're all working, right? <laughs> right. And Ricky's like firing at me, and I'm you know playing goalie. And then I said, all right, you know, let's switch it up. You play goalie. He's like, all right. And so I I take a first sn- shot. I take a snapshot, yeah. right? And it just I didn't mean it for it, but it rose faster than I thought, right? Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, Ricky gets alligator arms. He can't get out of the way, and it gets him. Blames a- me. <laughs> Notice how he's blaming me. <laughs> it was my fault. I said I. <laughs> and next thing you know, it hits him right in the mouth, and his mouth starts bleeding all ah, over his uniform. Horrible uniform. And what does he say? 
Frank Frank's going to kill well, yeah, me. Frank, <laughs> Frank Kogenbarger's our clubhouse guy who's in charge of the uniforms. He's like, Frank's going to kill me. Frank's going to kill me. Man, I was young. I didn't want, I was like, uh-oh, do I even have another uniform? I don't know. Well, Ricky's always been a man of the people. You'd come up after uh, the games up to the press club and hang yep. out with us, have some beers with Harry and the boys. I'll, I'll never forget the uh, Atlanta, after the Atlanta game. game. First game after 9-11. It was actually really emotional being up yeah, there. It wasn't yep. that. Harry yeah. was like singing. and. He let, and remember, he had, he had everyone hold hands. Yep. Yeah. And we all sang God Bless America. God bless yep. America. And then, we was, started, uh, and then we started cursing out the Atlanta Braves. Yes, all this <laughs> pitching staff. <laughs> we hated those guys. Yeah, we did. We, we had a good run that year for that team, 2001. We, had a, we only ended up like a game and a half out, I think, or a game out. Yeah. Maybe but, two. But yeah, I mean, yeah. What, we uh, gave them a run for their money. Gave them a run. Uh, yeah, 2001. You know what? Yeah. I wrote that down because, you know, Ricky, unfortunately, you were part of some pretty bad Phillies. We teams. were. I mean, that was the know? only shot we had. That was I was two thousand one. You know what made me tick that year? The whole Dennis Cook and, and Turk Wendell. Not to take anything away from those two because they're really good pitchers. Yeah, yeah. But they did not have a good uh good start to their Phillies uh Yeah, and what year are you talking about? It was two thousand one. One, yeah, because second yeah. place, eighty six wins. Um yeah. Real I mean, Cormier, God rest his soul. Yeah. Man, we were in the bullpen at Shea that night because if you remember, they just changed dressing rooms. They trained they came over to our locker room. I remember sitting out in the bullpen. It was the seventh inning coming. No, the eighth inning coming up. Me and Riel both take our, you know, our warm-ups off, start, you know, stretching out, getting ready to go on the mound. Phone rings. Wendell Cook. Uh, <laughs> Riel was not happy. Mm. Uh, Woo. Screaming. You know that tunnel yeah. around Shea that you could hear all the way down? Yeah. Oh, he was screaming at Vern Roll. Screaming at him. All right. You mentioned Barry Bonds. We got to get into that story. Yeah. Uh Talk about that because you weren't you weren't expected to be pitching. Uh, I wasn't supposed to. You pitch. weren't supposed to pitch that day. Tell the story about Barry Bonds and how you uh, came onto the mound and, and what happened. Well, I had just come off a short elbow surgery, yep. and my elbow was not healed. You you've seen me. I went down for thirty days of rehab. I still wasn't ready. I was throwing what, 85, 86 miles an hour, and they had to bring me back up, or else I guess I had to go on waivers, which didn't wasn't going to happen at that point in my career, and. Um, it was a Saturday afternoon, August 3rd, 1998, I believe is exactly what it was. And uh, the worst part was my parents were in the stands. My mother was here, and she did not like any little piece of what was about to happen. Um, Jerry Spradlin gets up in the bullpen. There was a phone call that came down that said, you know, Bonds has got to get one. Okay. Jerry Spradlin gets up, warms up, and completely warms up. Why do you have to get one? He stole... Second base, and that he was going for the old 50 50. I believe. Right. Okay. Stole second base in a nine run game. There it is. So there you go. There's your answer. And, you know, he always had a cocky attitude. Of Everybody course. knows. Um, but Jerry Spradlin was supposed to go in and hit him. So we're, we get to the point where there's two outs in the inning. Jerry tells, I believe it was Ramon Henderson, maybe. I don't even know who. I think it was Ramon Henderson. Gets on the phone. He's not doing it. Phone rings again. Now, mind yeah. you, I have sneakers on. If sneakers, no glove, no nothing. And you can't fit in Jerry Spradlin's shoes because no, they're probably not size fit. 17. So the phone rings back, and it's Francona on the phone with, I, I believe, uh, somebody, and they hand me the phone. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't have spikes. I don't have my glove. I don't have anything. You know, they told me not to. Well, here comes Schilling down the golf cart, has my spikes, <laughs> has my glove. Uh, I put it, throw them on real quick. Wow. Mind you, they're stalling on the field because there's two outs in the inning. I throw one warm-up pitch in the bullpen, and that was it. It was it. I have to go in the game. 
Yeah. I'm not ready to throw pitch. I end up coming in the ball game at the vet, jogging in. I I actually heard Harry's call a couple weeks ago about this. And the funny part was, is like, well, Jerry Spradlin was warming up, and now it's Ricky Poe's ball game. <laughs> so you could hear in his voice yeah. that he knew what was going to happen. It's like sending Dave Schultz in after uh, right. somebody cheap shot a guy. Well, here right. comes Schultz. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and Terry O'Reilly's up to bat. Exactly. But, it, but it just keep, it, like the whole story just keeps getting worse and worse for me because, number one, in the paper that morning, and mind you, the papers were golden. With that, Dr. Uh, Morgan, Morton from, from uh, Delaware had had a statement. I pitched two innings the night before to try to stretch my arm out. Uh, and it said, Ricky is in no way going to pitch the next three games. So I'm, when it comes down to it, I'm buried when it comes down to, like, suspensions and everything. Yeah, right. You're in for one pitch. I'm in for one pitch. <laughs> I throw one pitch to Mark Parent, and I'm waiting for the ball to come back. He throws it down to second base. On the field. So I've only thrown two warm-up pitches at this point. <laughs> now, how accurate could that, like, now this is going through my head. Like, how accurate is this going to be? Right. So I'm like, I have to really get it way inside. And Well, let me ask you a question. Hold foot. up. Before you get, the, before I you get there. I hadn't thrown a ball 90 miles an hour. This one was 94 off of his kneecap. Wait, before you get there. Now, Barry Bonds is, I mean, you're not talking the Pittsburgh Pirates, Barry Bonds. You're, no, you're t- he was big. You're talking a bigger, jacked-up Barry Bonds. Rather large. Right. So um, is, is there a little I was intimidation told, in there I in was told on the phone call in the bullpen, I do not want you swinging with your right arm. If you, if there happens to be a brawl, we want you to okay. either try to tackle and just get out of that or throw your glove at him. Well, <laughs> here we go. Hits him in the kneecaps. Here he comes. I have my glove in my hand. I'm like, heck with that. Threw the glove away. Tried tackling him, but man, I could tell you we're at Citizens Bank Park. I'm looking at some brick walls. You might as well go try to tackle that. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a. Was, I mean, was he screaming at you while he's? No, while he's, I, I don't think he was actually mad at me. Right. I think he knew I was in there for a reason. Right, right. I, I think about this. He stepped to the plate and saw me warming up after seeing Sprat. They come on. You don't think you know at the vet they have that glass that you yeah, can see yeah, right through. Right. You don't think they saw Spradlin warming up? Right. Come on. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, I'm coming in the game. Dusty, I remember I came out of the pile after the scrum starts. I come out of the pile. I'm on the third base side. So I'm on their side. Okay. And Jeff Kent, like, literally picks me up by my shirt, slaps me on the butt, and says, get over there. <laughs> and what was your relationship with Bonds afterwards, at all, if, if it anything was, at all? It was okay because my suspension was actually in um, San Francisco. So we had gone out, like, the next week. We go out to San Francisco. I'm missing the first two games of a four-game series. I've already missed two games on the other end. I had a four-game suspension. Uh, so the night I'm coming back, I come back for the last game. So I missed three of the games. I come back for the last game in, in the old candlestick. You have to walk past their dugout to get to your dugout. Bonds is there, and he, like, literally comes up and, like, grabs me from behind and picks me up with one arm. Jeez. I was two two fifteen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, one arm. Boy. Yeah, the guy, the guy was pretty strong. Yeah. And he said, I know you had to do what you did. There it is. And <laughs> I, said, I, said, I, I said, I appreciate that. And I said, I hope you know, forever on the same team, I would do it again. I mean, that's just, yep. just I, I was just like that. I was, I was an eye for an eye guy. Uh, do you remember in the scrum, was uh, Mark Parent first uh, guy in? Mark third, Parent third man jumped. In? He actually jumped on Bonds' back. Okay, yeah. And so it was. Boy. So that was another 280 pounds on top of me. <laughs> right. So it, the only thing I remember is my face got burnt on the turf. Like, literally 
burned because it was 100 degrees out. <laughs> Turf was probably 140, 150, and I could smell my skin burning. <laughs> I love it. Mark Parent, you know what's the best story about Mark Parent? So Mark Parent is the reason why uh, Rose is Roseanne Barr, right, that did the National Anthem? Yeah, National, National Anthem. Anthem. Right? So Roseanne Barr, it was in San Diego. Mark Parent is the catcher. And Roseanne Barr, you know, small talk before the National Anthem. And Mark Parent said, how would you get roped into this? And Roseanne Barr <laughs> says, uh, my agent talked me into this. I'm really nervous, to tell you the truth. I, you know, I, I, it's not really what I do. Uh, and do you have any suggestions, right? This is the minute before she's going to sing the National Anthem. And Mark said, well, just do <laughs> Just joking around, said, do what all the baseball players do. Just, <laughs> just grab your crotch. Right, grab crotch grab and, and, spit, and spit or something. So sure enough, she started singing. And I guess she's so nervous. Right at she, the end, she it, did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I guess, right, she did that because I guess Mark Parent was in her head. And next thing you know, it becomes a national controversy. <laughs> Imagine if they did that now. Oh, uh, hey, you know we were saying uh, some tough teams, Ricky. That's you know that's just bad teams. Shit. You could say it. I know it. It was a. Bummer. I do have one regret. What was that? I do have one regret, and it's your your friend, your best friend. Uh, oh, we had a. It, it was, was it was it was a fun little back and forth we used to do. It was because Ricky being the bullpen, the fanatic would uh, leave the pregame after messing around on the field on his four-wheeler and head up the truck ramp, and Ricky would always throw some, you know. I would throw up <laughs> a rosin bag. Never, ever hit him. Yeah, to Never. see if it would land on the fanatic. Well, this one particular day, Ricky's right. In, the, right in the middle of the truck ramp. The fanatic's flying off the field, coming up the truck ramp, and Ricky throws a, a fastball at the oh, fanatic boy. and hits the fanatic right in the neck and where's my face John that's right somehow the fanatic got hit in the neck and yes. I wound up uh, not being able to see <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really yeah. I felt Defy so science. bad so well because you do it every day right. and you're like oh, I'm never gonna hit him and then I, went, boop, I, went, I went oh no he's pissed I went back to the dressing room and really I couldn't see out of my one eye you were that see. attached to the fanatic that yeah that, that that's how it happened well, he, we're felt so close. What he felt so I was I was ticked I was yelling I was throwing stuff and so <laughs> i go back down with to a the, hose with a hose there was a hose in the game. The, during the game and uh sprayed ricky with a hose during the game <laughs> hey uh, another one oh, so uh, you you actually saw uh scott Rowland, who obviously yeah. got inducted into the hall of fame yep. uh back in july you saw him as a young player yeah right and you saw him through you were on the, his teammate for a while uh did you see scott Rowland at that point i mean he was obviously second round pick was phen- people say he's one of the best third basemen ever? Hundred percent. I, I mean, yeah. You, you did. You, I mean, could you see him going to the Hall of Fame at that point? If you looked into crystal ball, you know what's funny. You don't. I don't. When you when you play, you don't look at players like these guys are Hall of Famers, right. or he's going to mm-hmm. be a Hall of Famer. I mean, like after my career, I joke around and go, "Wow, I got a lot of Hall of Famers yeah. out." You know, I mean, but it was. I don't think you looked at him like that. I was like, this guy's. You knew he was special. I mean, I could I could bring up. Ten plays in my career, and I was a closer. Right, that he made that you just stood on the field and we were like, yeah, no wow. question, no question, or or just his routine plays, because I was how lucky was I at one point? I got to play with Scott Rowland at third, Jimmy Rollins at short, mm. and Rico Brony at first. Yeah, right. Ooh. yeah. think about the, yeah. where's the hole? Second base and Desi Relford or Marlon Anderson. Right. they were not terrible. Yeah. So I mean. It, 
the whole key in, uh, in that team was if you got the ball on the ground, you were in good you shape. You know, with Scott, too, uh, you forget he had back problems, too. And I think yeah, that, that's... Know, his offense, I think, uh, probably took a hit there. And, and his defense, maybe, somehow. But, I mean, you I, never saw it. But I he, he struggled. I think he has he a struggled. label, uh, and this is odd, like a little bit like Alec Bohm. Like, Bohm's so big, why isn't he hitting more home runs? Mm. I think Scott had that same thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. think about it. Scott was Scott Rowland was one of those oddities. I put him in an oddity with Ken Griffey Jr. Because I, I used to watch, you know, we didn't play against the Mariners very much. The only time I saw Ken Griffey Jr. was at the Double Day Field when we had to play that game in 94. Yeah, in Cooperstown. And yeah. when I met him, I was like, oh, my God, this guy is humongous. Yeah, specimen. Yeah. And, like, I would say if I didn't see Scott, like, in the locker room and stuff like that before – before he even stepped on a field, I would have said, "My God, that guy is huge." That linebacker. Oh, but he, when you watch games on TV, he doesn't he never? Because he always put himself in that right. little squat when he was hitting. Well, I mean, he was Mr. Basketball in Indiana, and he was going to go to Georgia to play hoops. So obviously, yep. he's a phenomenal athlete. Talk about because I think, in my opinion, this is I think Scott is misread in this town, and I know he's going to be honored uh, in a couple weeks here in the ballpark. Um, but t- talk about Scott as a teammate because a lot of people, you know. A lot of people get the misperception of Scott. I, I just, again, maybe it's just me that, as a big fan of Scott, but I just think he's, you know, the, he. The, you were talking about earlier that yeah. that you as yourself, you treat everybody the same. Mm-hmm. And I think Scott, same thing. Like he, the clubhouse guys, the trainers, the uh, reporters, he had the Scott's same respect good, to everybody. Scott's a good person. I, I think a lot of people miss miss uh, are misled by that. I think the whole situation, not everybody – has the heart to want to play in Philadelphia their whole career. I don't know what kind of contract they were offering, Scott. I don't know if it was legit. I don't know. I just don't know. I never heard the whole details. I don't care. Scott played here as hard as he possibly can. Yep. And that that's the one thing that I will say about him. I mean, he was on the field, and I will tell you right now, whether his back felt well or well, whether his back was hurting, you wouldn't know it when he was standing on that field. Mm. And in, in to be quite honest with you, not so sure a lot of people, if they would have played on that turf field, would have wanted to stay here as an infielder because you're beating your body up every single day. And what does that do? It takes years off of yep. your career. I, You know what? He made decisions that his family wanted to make with him. I don't have a problem with that. Yep. I think the problem was is the bobblehead day. Was it the oh, bobblehead right. well, giveaway? He didn't Scott Rowland day. day. But he, has, he doesn't control that. was Frank Cona's call, right? He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't control but that. But who gets blamed for it? Oh, of course. Scott. Yeah, yeah. That's what happened. Scott got blamed. For, trust me, I do radio. I hear it all the time about right. Scott Rowland. I don't care about that day. Right. I mean, I understand what happened that day. It's unfortunate it wasn't his fault. People don't understand that the manager makes out the cards. How much different? When you came back in 01, uh, how much different was it having Bo as your manager versus having Francona, who, you know, obviously was cutting his teeth with the young team when yeah. he was here. Uh, but then, you know, you bring in Boa, I think we were expected to win at that point, right? Yeah, Francona had no control. Right. I mean, to be honest with you, you want to talk about the inmates running the asylum? We were running the asylum. And I almost felt, I didn't, not bad for him, but you almost feel like, well, overmatched early on in his career. This is not going to be an easy thing. Because he had a mix of veterans and and younger guys. I mean, really young guys, if you really think about it. And I don't know how he was going to get over that hump. And yep. he ended up doing it with the Red Sox because he went with a bunch of veterans and more or less felt his way through that whole thing. Uh, and then he turned into a really great manager. So, I mean, there's no – I just think that was the wrong place, wrong time. And then Larry Boa comes in, 
and Boa wanted complete control of the clubhouse. So, but I didn't have a problem. In all honesty, with uh, I had a problem with with Francona because I think I was overused, abused because we were short on bullpen guys. Which I don't know if I should have blamed Francona for that. You know, there's other people that could have been blamed for that, and I didn't do that. Um, but when Larry came in, I think the one thing that I was clear about is I knew Larry. I came up, and Larry was here. Uh, I felt comfortable with him. He understood me. He knew I had fire like he did, so it was kind of like a kind of like a good type marriage in that sense. And I knew he was going to give me the ball. So, you know, being in the bullpen, I hate to say this, I don't give a crap who the manager is. <laughs> right, right. If that phone's ringing <laughs> right, right. and my name comes up, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. good. Yeah, that makes which sense. is why we started getting myself and Real at the times after the yeah. trade deadline started getting a little. You know, ticked off, to say the least. All right, let's – and before you have a quiz, by the way, I didn't Uh-oh. mention that to you. No. But there's an eight-question quiz. Uh, what Tom, if I fail? You're not going to fail because right. you're Ricky Batalico. Uh, what is <laughs> – before, before we get to that, though, we have less than four weeks left in the regular season. Yep. Uh, we are leading the wild card standings right now. Um, you know, we've got a favorable schedule towards the end, but we've got a – We've got some tough games. We have seven games against the Braves as well. Yeah. Uh, what do you What do you think right now uh, going in again? We're talking Wednesday. What's today's date? Just so people have it. Wednesday, September 6th. What are your feelings about the team and uh, how are we looking? I've said this, and I'm going to stick to this, that I want them to wrap it up or be close to wrapping it up, the number one wild card, on September 24th, which is a Sunday. Sunday Fan Appreciation Day. It's the Sunday Perfect. right before they go away for their last yeah. road trip. That Monday like is it. an off day. Pirates I Mets. want them to be able to set the rotation uh, because I think it's important for the playoffs. Yeah. If you could set your rotation, and I let's face it, I think the rotation is going to be Wheeler, Nola, and probably Taiwan Walker right now. I don't know if that's going to change. And the good thing about that is, well, if you sweep it in two, then you at least have, you know, right. uh, Taiwan Walker to go game one in the in the divisional. Okay. Mm. Good. September 24th. It's been a fun team. It it's has been definitely been. a fun team. been a little bit of a roller coaster. This team could hit I, the daylights out of the yes, baseball. Yes, I would have to scare – I would think that if you're the Braves or the Dodgers or, you know, anybody. You, you never hear me say this, but my, my favorite in a long, long time around here is Kyle Schwarber. And I know he's only hitting 193, but he's awesome. You have to appreciate yeah. how quick his hands are. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, when he hit bombs, they it's, bomb. but it's Jeez. unbelievable. And his load up, it's so it's so odd because he'll sit there like he doesn't care, right? And then all of a sudden, you see that little twist right. back, and you're like, oh boy, here it comes loads. And and it's just so I don't know, like. In my eyes, that's the wiffle ball swing that I always wanted. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and not just that, but he's the glue guy. I mean, yep. we have a lot of glue guys down there. No doubt. But he's one of the big glue well, guys. He's in been that through clubhouse. everything. I mean, he was never the star of stars, but he's been through everything. Yep. World Series teams and this and that. So and just talk it, about a good guy, just blue collar. You know what? I'd lo- everyone I want to have him. a. I want to have beer, like have a twelve pack. With yeah, yeah. yeah not a beer. He's not a beer. Uh, that's a twelve pack. No, it's I a twelve pack. And, well, yeah, I just love the way he plays. I mean. Uh, and, and it's hard to love guys nowadays because what you're loving is their um, their advertisement. You know what I mean? Like because of social media and everything. Their brand. Right, right. You're being told their brand. Thank you. That's, that's what, like my, Bryce Harper is like completely branded with oh, it right well, in with God the. God bless him. That with may the have been the smartest move I've ever seen. <laughs> Signing and, Bryce Harper. So, 
Well, the signing of Bryce Harper is fantastic. Yeah. I think he's one of the best players to ever come in here. There's and, no doubt about okay. that. And I think he's a, he's a free agent that fits Philadelphia. Tagging himself with the Philly Fanatic right away. Right. May have been the smartest thing he ever could have done. Well, who, doesn't, who doesn't like the Philly exactly. Fanatic? Exactly. And I don't think it was too contrived. People say, oh, he's pandering, you know, when he says things about, you know, he's kissing his Philly's logo. I mean, he, he believes really it. believes, totally it. believes it. He said yeah. it from the beginning. My kid's going to be a Philadelphia sports fan, you know, grow up, that, grow up in Philly. That was the best line. You know? Yeah. That's, that line just, uh, when he said, he, he said, yeah, I, did, sure, I didn't want a no it. trade clause in there. Uh, or I wanted to waive the no trade clause in there because a I want to retire as a Philly, but then when he said that I want my kids to grow up to be Phillies, you know, Philadelphians. To me, as yes. a Philadelphian, that was you never heard that from an athlete before. Yeah, and it was awesome, and you knew where he was coming from when yes. he said that. Yeah, but, totally. but that's what I mean. I mean, a lot of these guys though come in and they kind of want to hide. I think that's the worst thing to do in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and to I me, mean, Trey Turner doesn't really say much, but the fans picked him up. We have yeah. so many guys. The litmus test for me is, is, is are you going to go away from your TV and grab a beer, go to the bathroom or something, you know, or are you going to watch them at bat? And we have a lot of those guys. Kyle Schwarber's number one. Like, you don't go anywhere. No. You know, I see Harper, too. And by the way, for, for those of you, I think you guys both do believe in this. The baseball gods, do you believe in the baseball gods? Of course. You know why Trey Turner struggled? I want you to think about that for a minute. You could ask me the questions, and I'll give you the answer after that. All right, okay. I'll think about it while he's asking me. But I have one last thing, John, before okay. you start the quiz. I forgot. I remember when you got traded to St. Louis. Uh, I was Ricky disappointed. Stunk. And then, you know, when I was looking up, uh, I, I forgot. I was looking up. Oh, oh gosh, boy. that's right. You played for Kansas City, Arizona. The Mets. <sighs> the Mets. How in God's name could you ever go and play for the Mets? <laughs> uh, you, Ricky. I can't believe you. What, dollars? What? You sold out? I was out? at the end of my career. I didn't have a lot of teams to jump to. And I think, it was, I think it was Lisa, more or less, at the end of my career, like somewhere near home. Wait, Ricky. still, all these excuses. you got to throw, you gotta throw it back to Tom and say, well, what happens if you were at the end of your career and <laughs> your only option <laughs> was to Matt? be the best friend of Mr. Matt? Yeah, then what? No. <laughs> what do you think, John? You really think I'd take that? Yes. Oh, please. I don't care how much Del Ray made they were yeah, trying You say that now. <laughs> I just, in all in all honesty, I just wanted to keep playing, and that may have been my what? only way. Whatever. As a matter of fact, I was Fanatics released the at the green. beginning of that season. <laughs> all right. Good. Are, are you ready for the quiz? <laughs> I you guess. Fired up for the quiz? I guess. And then we'll find out your theory on Trey Turner. All right. Eight it's questions. about the baseball gods. Eight questions, multiple choice. You have to get six. Yep. And if I you have get, to get six. You have yeah. to get six. because we'll we throw you right out the window. Throw you right out the window. Uh <laughs> I will get you. You know what? Actually, you don't get the elevator. I, we have a out the <laughs> we have a special backstage Burgoyne Brazier T-shirt. Oh, really? Uh, true. I got to see if yeah. I. You're probably an extra large, right? Yeah, I would think, I think so. I think I got one down there. So and I'm uh, tan. Look, I'm finally tan. tan. Look at you. Just got back All from right. North Carolina. First question: Were you Outer Banks? Uh no, I was in North Topsail. Gotcha. Okay. A little golfing down there. Uh, we had a little storm come through, so the golf ah. course wasn't exactly. All right, but. All right, first question. Bit. As you, we talked about, you grew up in Hartford area, yes. right? Which one of these celebrities oh, never boy. lived in Hartford? Oh. Never lived in Hartford. Author Mark Twain, Weird Al Yankovic, Catherine Hepburn, industrialist J.P. Morgan. So is it Mark Twain, Weird Al Weird Yankovic? Al Yankovic. <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic is correct. Did you, Catherine did Hepburn you? used to have a house on uh, in West Old Saybrook, Connecticut, that looked over the ocean. It was a uh, or looked over Long Island Sound. It was beautiful. And then J.P. Morgan just I don't know. Just yeah, he's he's a tycoon. Mark Twain there. has his house up. Mark there. Twain yeah. House in Hartford. Right. All right. 
1997 was the last year of the Hartford Whalers. Yeah. I know you're a huge Hartford Whalers fan. Uh, which was not on that team? Which one of these guys oh, was not on the that team? The 97 team? In 1997. <laughs> the last year. You'll get him. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Shanahan, Ron Francis, Kevin Deneen, Ron Francis. Claude Lemieux. Ron Francis was not on the 97 team. Brandon Shanahan, Ron Francis. I just said Ron Kevin Francis Deneen, was not Claude on that Lemieux. team. I think you meant to put who was on that team, and it would have been Kevin Deneen. Was not. Uh-oh. We, we have problems. Research. Brendan Shanahan was traded. But he was never on that team? He was always on that team. Oh, was never. I thought was, you meant no, the 97 was, team. Was not uh, on that it's, team. It's, go, go over him again. Shanahan, Francis, Deneen, Claude Lemieux. Claude Lemieux. Claude Lemieux. I knew he was, a, he was a Canadian. Yeah, you, you miss, you miss uh, pronounce that. All right. What were they, two for two. <laughs> You're good. You started out at Florida Southern College, which yep. you mentioned. Which one of these former MLB players did not go to school there? Okay, Matt Joyce, Brett Tomko, Mark Fidrich, Rob Dibble. One of Fidrich. those guys. Fidrich is correct. Did He's three go. for three. Nice, Rick. You're on a roll. Three for three. All right. You made your professional debut on July 29th, 1994, which yep. you had already mentioned. Which one of these players did not play outfield in that game? Okay, this is going to be hard. What? So, yeah, oh. so three of these guys played in the field. One outfielder did, oh, was not in the game. Man. All right. Yep. West, West Chamberlain. Billy Hatcher, Lenny Dykstra, Pete Incavilia. West Chamberlain. Hatcher. Billy, see, I threw you off there. Billy Hatcher, well, Billy Hatcher was in the outfield. West Chamberlain uh, was know. not. That's, That's impossible. All right. That's a tough one. It gets better. Are you really keeping score? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, three, three for four. Yeah, three for four. All right. You played in the 1996 All-Star Game in Philly. Yeah. How many Braves were on that roster? Oh, my goodness. Was it three, four, five, or six? Let's go five. Six. Son of It was Fred McGriff, Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, Wallers, and Andrew Jones. Wait, and you still accepted an invitation to play on that All-Star game? You should have seen it. I walked into the clubhouse. <laughs> they're all playing cards all over the place. Yeah. And they're coaches. But they're Braves. How, did, how could you I, even stand to be on the same team I wasn't with a bunch team. of Braves? All right, you should have walked right back out there. I was on the field by myself. <laughs> you have to sweep here. You need a sweeper. Right, you need a sweeper. Why do I need a sweep? Because you need to get six, seven, eight in order to win the yeah, you backstage. Got to get the next three. This is easy. You'll get these. What was your career ERA? Three nine nine. You don't even need multiple choice. Yep. You got it right. Uh, where did your radio co-host on ninety-seven point five, Tyrone Johnson? Where did he grow up? Oh, did he grow up in Pensacon? Yes, Det- Pensacon. Bam. Bam. He just needs right. one more. Come on, Rick. One more, and let's just see how well you know your other co-host. Oh, no. Michael Barkan. Oh, God. Where did Michael Barkan grow up? <clears throat> Hold on. Oyster Bay, Long Island, East Brunswick, New Jersey, Rumson, New Jersey, or Cold Spring Harbor, Long Island? East Brunswick, New Jersey. Bam! And he wins the T-shirt. Michael will be so happy. <laughs> oh, by the <laughs> way, the, the baseball gods. Yes. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have a guess? As to why Trey Turner struggled. He was a Dodger. No. Nope. Uh, Has nothing to do with where he was. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't All right. Well, I'm going to throw this. I'm going to throw this at you, and you will know. What happened at the press conference? Uh, when he signed with the Phillies. Was that passing Stowe? They put a jersey on him. What happened? I was there, I think. Uh, what did happen? You would not do something. You would not put a hat on? He didn't put a hat on. Would not oh. put the Phillies lid on, so he paid his penance with the baseball the, gods. He talked about that. He said, I just had my I hair done. I just had done. my hair done. I have oh. to go to dinner. <laughs> you don't do that. You put the hat on. 
Wow. That's why you struggled early. Rick, have you thrown that you might... theory out there on radio or TV? Oh, well, no. I don't think I have yet. <laughs> That's it's the exclusive. first time your theory is being thrown out there. Oh, wow. there it is. You wow. don't believe in baseball, guys. Now I just know. proved it. I think it you're to onto you. something. There you go. All right. <laughs> All right. We're wrapping this up, John. Yep. Ricky Bo, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Sorry it took four years, but uh, we got you on. Uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next time on Phillies Backstage.